0: that I can worship God in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. I can, I can be occupied with Christ and worship him and adore him. These three things here, I think, from the finished work perspective, address those three fears that we just talked about. Number one, the only thing that can separate us from love is what? On an experiential level, shame. Remember, shame is guilt that's been internalized. It's been, it's guilt. I, it's shame is is when I feel guilty because of uh, of something I've done. But I start internalizing that guilt. Number two, but that's been fea- that's been defeated, right? Our shame has been defeated. When we approach the throne of grace in the time of need, we're not approaching with our heads down with, in a shameful way. We're like David. We're running at that throne of grace and that throne of mercy. The only thing that can make us poor, number two, in in the fear of the loss of wealth, the only thing that can make us poor and impoverished is our debt to shame and guilt. But that's been buried and concealed. All of our sins have been buried. You know, what you did yesterday or 20 years ago is separated from you as far as the east is from the west. And what is the greatest crime and what is the greatest, the saddest thing in Christianity today is when we walk around wearing our guilt and our shame of something that Christ has forgiven us of, and you know something, if you know someone that sinned and failed and, you, and, and hurt you in a very deep, very deep way, we are required to forgive them in Jesus' name because of the blood of Christ. I think in marriage, if someone fails, it's not, it's not right when a partner brings up the failure continually because what I'm doing is I'm offending the blood of Christ. You know something? It's like we need to forgive. And you know what? The only thing that can separate us that can make us feel poor and feel poor and impoverished is really that debt to shame and guilt. And we don't have that because it's been buried. And number three, the only thing that can separate us from life is the disease of fallen, frail, broken humanity. But we've been redeemed by the life of Christ and Christ rose from the dead. It's amazing. They did the worst thing that you can do to a human being and yet he passed through death and he rose from the dead with joy and power. In closing, in closing, I want to say this, what's the application here? We look at the Israelites, they're scared. And I like to is I like to identify with them because it makes God much bigger. Because if I identify with David, I'm taking Christ's place. I'm trying to do the work of Christ. If I try to take the place of Saul, then I'm trying to find a natural resolution to something that's not that's not natural, it's supernatural, and that never works. When we look at the Israelites, we say, Lord, I'm afraid. And by the way, it's not, af- it's not wrong to be afraid. I think it's healthy. When we understand what we're afraid of. But you know what David did? He prayed through his fears. He prayed when he lived in fear, prayers went up. I love the book of Psalms, it's so, it's so authentic. And as, Jesus, as, as, as David is walking through in Psalm chapter three, surrounded by his enemies when Absalom is on the run. He's on the run from Absalom. You know something? When we begin to become occupied with David, the David, the eternal David, which is Jesus Christ, that stood up against our Goliath, that was challenging, that was putting an entire human race at bay in fear. And then we see David say, Let no man fear because of this Philistine. That's what Jesus says to us today. Let none of you be afraid of the Goliath that's standing in front of you. For thy servant the humility of David is amazing. Humility is powerful. For thy servant, humility is courageous. Thy servant will go and fight this uncircumcised Philistine. And what is the court of, of Saul thinking? Either this kid is super naive or mentally unstable or something's wrong with this kid. He's been with sheep too long. But he, or he knows God and he goes out and he fades. And I love it. David runs at Goliath. I love that. Jesus ran at the situation, Jesus ran at the cross, Jesus ran at, at, um, he ran to Gethsemane, he ran to the cross, he ran to Calvary, why? Because of the joy that was set before him, courage means I have joy, and it doesn't mean I'm in, I have absence of fear, it's possible that I'm in a scary situation, and I'm saying, Lord, I'm afraid, and that's okay, but you know, at that moment, I can have joy in my heart, because you know something, I'm only going to see the shadow of death, and I'm not going to see death, because someone else walked through death for me. That's Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 12, and just look at that with me for a moment as I wrap this up. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11, we read of all the, the, all the faith heroes. And if you study the heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith, you start digging into their life, you see some skeletons in their closets. And it's like, wow, this is not really, you know, Samson? <laughs> David, you know, some of these guys, murderers. But you know what? At the end of Hebrews chapter 11, it goes to Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, and it says this, and I wanna look at verse two. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter, or the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Despised the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. You know what this word author means? It's a word, it's Archigos in the Greek, and it means Champion. It's the same word that is used to describe the Philistine. It's the same word that's used to describe David. Jesus is our champion. And I think that as soon as we can identify, not with Saul, hey, here's some natural solutions, and that's me. I'm like, I could, I, I could be Saul so easily. Like, hey, let's do this, let's do that. And like, like, start running through some scenarios and, and, and just problem solve. Or I could be, I could be, you know, I could be, um, I could be Goliath. I could live in my fearless confidence like, hey, I'm gonna deal with this situation. I'm just gonna push right through it and then uh, not understand what, what, what godly fear is and fearing the Lord or we can be the Israelites that are in a place of great need like, Lord, I need you to do something. If you don't work, we're dead. And that's a great prayer because that, that releases God. And your faith doesn't release God. Your dependence on God uh, releases God. I think that sometimes people are like, you gotta have more faith. Well, the more you say that, for me, this is the way I think, the more you say that, the less faith I'm gonna have because I'm not one of these people that can create a lot of things out of myself because in myself, in my natural man, I'm very poor and very impoverished and very broken. (laughs) But when you say I have no faith and that God has concluded the whole world in unbelief in Romans chapter 11 so that he might have mercy upon all, that creates faith in my life. When I see a little kid when I see Jesus Christ in all of his weakness step out in divine wisdom and divine um, perspective and stand up against the Goliath of sin and temptation and failures and, and maybe chronic health situations, Remember, Goliath is going out every day and challenging every day. It's like the headline news every morning. Turn the news on, Goliath's out there. Send me, send me a man. And you know what? A man was sent and that was Jesus Christ. And he stood up to, up, to, up, to, up, to, up to Goliath and he defeated him. What do we do when we're afraid? Don't try to banish your fear. Don't try to bury it. Don't try to live in a denial of what's going on in human emotions. Identify it and then lay it at the feet of Christ and say, you know what? I'm gonna look to him, my champion, the author and the finisher of my faith. And you know something? The more we focus on Jesus Christ, and this is the main point of the message, if there's nothing else you get, um, if you've been sleeping through the whole message, nobody's been sleeping. But if you haven't, and this is the one thing you remember, I want you to remember this. When times are tough, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus Christ and be, be amazed at him. Live in adoration of his nature is characteristic we need to be in the gospels sometimes more often and just see jesus said and jesus did and jesus did this miracle and jesus walked and jesus went there and jesus healed look at jesus christ the more we look at christ and more of our the more of our christianity is really christocentric the more miracles we're going to see and we're going to see the less of our flesh look at christ set him free let him be god in your life look at him the author and 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 the finisher and you know, sometimes we get vision from God, we get exciting things from God's mind and we're like, well, let's do this and guess what God's gonna be like? I'm giving that to you, but guess what? I'm gonna finish that. I've started a good, I started a good work in your life, I'm gonna finish it. Don't live in an unfinished fear in your life. Look at Christ, look at him. And I don't know what that means to you personally, how that would look. For me, it just means I open my Bible, I read the book of Mark, you know, short, not a lot of words, see Christ working in mighty ways. Just look at him. Look how he healed the man that had the withered hand. Look at how he, how he talked with, in John chapter 8, the woman that was caught in adultery. When we're dealing with people in that kind of a circumstances, if that's part of your timeline, is that the way you know Christ deals with you? The dignity that Jesus has with that woman, he's, he's kneeling on the ground talking to her, she's sitting on the ground eye to eye. He's not towering over her you know where are your where are your judge you know where are your condemners look at jesus look at jesus look at jesus when he's standing before the magistrates before pilate and herod look at look at listen to his silence jesus had nothing to defend jesus everything that jesus was and everything that jesus had to say in his defense was already said for 30 for 33 for 33 years before look at him look at him And I I guarantee you, the more you look at Christ, the more you gaze at him in the Bible, the more you meditate on him, the more you think about Christ and his beauty, the anointed Messiah of God, his Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the more you do that, faith grows. Faith grows in your life, you know? Faith grows. Because Christ is the beginning of all of our faith. He's the author. You say, I don't have any faith. That's okay, look at Christ and he's gonna author something in your life. If God can create, if Jesus can create the universe by a word, how much more can he create in your heart? Psalm 51, I'm just gonna promise I'm gonna close with this. It's like the 20th closing here. Yeah, that's how it is with preachers. I'm gonna close like, you know, and then come, well, we're gonna still be here for another 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, in Psalm 51 it says, create in me a clean heart, O God. You know what that word in the, in, the, in the Hebrew is? It's the same word, bara, that's used in Genesis chapter one, that God created the heavens and the earth. It means that God creates something in your heart out of nothing. He's not creating something out of your heart that was already there. God's creating something out of your brokenness and out of your depravity and out of your absolute broken, I don't know of another word to use, brokenness. And God creates, He speaks into your life. He speaks into your life. And something's there that was never before there. Amen? Mm-hmm.